0: Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, well as Miss Rhonda and our kids head back to Kids Church, let me invite you to take a Bible uh, and go to the book of 2 Timothy. We are going to wrap that book up this morning. We're going to finish that letter as we look at 2 Timothy 4 starting in verse 9. Uh, And then next week, uh, the first Sunday of May, going on really through the first Sunday in June, we're going to do a series uh, simply called Who's Your One? That um, the North American Mission Board, who we just just talked about with the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, uh, along with the uh, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer, uh, developed this series. It's it's simply an evangelism series. So so what we're going to do is basically evangelism training right here during this time on, on Sunday mornings. Uh, it's called Who's Your One. The whole idea behind that—this is mind-boggling, given the name—is that you will find one person, and that person will be your one. And the whole idea is that we will seek to, if you're not already doing so, seek to develop a relationship, uh, seek to develop opportunities to share the gospel. And so we're going to spend five weeks focusing on that. Uh, really, as we lead up to, to Vacation Bible School, that was the idea behind that. Um, but then from Next week, really through the end of the year, our, our charge is to, to, to spend time focusing on, on our one and, and to seek opportunities during the week to, to pour into somebody else's life and and to share with them the gospel and see what God does in and through us as we are get this, faithful to, to do what he's called us to do, right? Faithful to share the gospel. So if that seems daunting, don't worry, we're going to talk a lot about it over the next uh, month or so uh, five six weeks, and um, just praying that, pray that this week God will lay it on your heart. You're are your one. Maybe for your family that means one family, right? That, that you're going to be pouring into to see uh, to see the gospel um, advance around Alamogordo. Uh, but this morning we wrap up Second Timothy. So we find ourselves in Second in Timothy chapter four, verse nine. Um, these are important words for us because these are the last words that we have from the Apostle Paul. The last words he wrote before history tells us he was uh, beheaded uh, in Rome. And so these words for us then, even though primarily what we're going to see this morning is it's a list of people, it will still uh, carry some weight for us uh, because these are people who've obviously made an impact in Paul's life in some way. So as he's writing these words, he's in prison He's awaiting execution. He knows that, that his time is coming to a close, and so that's where we find ourselves this morning. So, if you will stand with me as we read a 2 Timothy chapter four, verses nine through twenty-two, this morning, where the Lord says, "This make every effort to come to me soon, because Demas has deserted me, since he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica." Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus, as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did great harm to me. The Lord will repay him according to his works. Watch out for him yourself, because he strongly opposed our words. At my first offense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that I might fully preach the word, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into His kingdom, into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet. Prissa and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus has remained at Corinth. I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Make every effort to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, as do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for the blessing of your word. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to... to preach through, to, to walk through entire letters, entire books of the Bible here. And so as we close the book on Second Timothy this morning, will, we remind, will you remind us of the blessing of other people in our lives as Christians? We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you can have a seat. So we come here, and this is, this is not one of those passages that if I was just kind of picking my favorite ones, this is probably not one of those that would make the list, right? Here, let me, let me uh, talk through a bunch of these names that one, are hard to pronounce, and two, most of whom we don't even know who they were or, or, what, or anything about them, okay? And yet, here we are, as, as Paul wraps up his letter, he sends greetings to all kinds of people. He he begs Timothy to to bring some folks with him, and yeah, he even talks to us a little bit about some some people who have opposed him in his ministry. And so I have really three simple observations this morning about this text that I want us to to consider, and the first is simply this. In this text, we have the blessing of friends, especially the the blessing of friends in the faith. Paul lists a bunch of people here whom whom he's encountered during his ministry. That reminds us that that as followers of Christ, as believers, we are not called to follow Christ alone, but rather we're we're called to follow Christ within a community. Maybe the way that we've heard this best, or the way that I've heard it best explained is simply that Um, There are no Lone Ranger Christians. And by the way, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, right? So the Lone Ranger wasn't alone. We're not called to, to go through this Christian life by ourselves. God has placed other people in our lives to strengthen us, who need to be strengthened by us, whom we can prod along in, in the faith, and who can prod us along in the faith. And so I just want to take a real quick snapshot at some of these people uh, that, that Paul mentions here, some, some of whom we have no idea, out, that we, we, we have no mention of them outside of this passage. But with several of them, we, we know who they are. And so the first part, obviously, he's, he's writing this to Timothy, right? Make every effort to come to me soon. Paul wants to see Timothy again. And he knew that there would be a very limited uh, window of time for that to happen because his uh, his time's drawing near. Matter of fact, in this passage, we see that twice, him him urging Timothy to to come soon. We see it at the beginning in verse 9. We see it at the end in verse 21. Make every effort to come before winter. In other words, I want want to see you in, in times drawing near come soon. In the second half of verse 10, he mentions uh, guys by the name of Crescens and Titus. Uh, these were faithful brothers who served alongside Paul, uh, whom he sent to serve in other places. See, Paul knew the blessing of companions in the gospel, but he didn't hoard them to himself. He, he was willing to release people, even though that's painful. He was willing to release them in order to see the kingdom of God spread, in order to see the gospel taken to other places and disciples made in other areas as well. So he sends Crescens back to Galatia, sends Titus to Dalmatia. And by the way, we're going to walk through the letter, uh, Paul's letter to Titus, um, later on this summer as well. In verse 11, he mentions Luke. He says, in fact, only Luke is with me. Luke has apparently remained with Paul through thick and thin, even in prison. Uh, if you read the book of Acts, which, which was written by Luke, and, and really served as, as a lot of the, the biography of Paul and his journeys, uh, especially from uh, the, especially the later half is, is almost exclusively Paul and, and, his, and his journeys. We see that Luke often will say, we. Even at the end, as, as Paul shipwrecked, a couple of times, um, as, he's, as he's suffering and, and imprisoned, you'll see Luke writing, we. And so we, we know that, that Luke stuck by Paul through, through thick and thin. He did not leave Paul's side, even when he was in prison. Second half of 11, we're, we're told uh, about Mark, or John Mark. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. Now, that's a really simple statement, but one we need to understand carries a whole lot of weight behind it. Uh, because John Mark's story is one of encouragement. Um, going all the way back to uh, the Last Supper, Jesus and his disciples may very well have eaten that last supper at John Mark's house. Um, in fact, John Mark was present at Jesus' arrest, running away. In fact, Mark himself tells us that he ran away naked because his cloak was seized, so he just like slipped out of it and took off running naked through the night. Um, he was also, Mark becomes an early travel companion in Paul's ministry. However, what we see is that in Acts 13, we're told that he left Paul and returned to Jerusalem. We don't know exactly why. Maybe, uh, maybe he was recognizing some of the persecution that was happening with Paul. Maybe uh, Mark being a, being a young man, maybe even a teenager at this point, uh, the idea of spending time in prison didn't excite him. So, so maybe he, he said, you know what, this is not for me. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go back. Maybe it was just too hard. We see in Acts 15, so so fast forward a couple of chapters, and Barnabas, Paul's partner in ministry at this time, wanted to bring John Mark along for another missionary trip. But Paul refused because Mark had abandoned them before. In other words, Barnabas is saying, hey, uh, we we should bring Mark along. You know, I really think he's grown. Uh, I, I think he could do us some good. And Paul said, absolutely not because he's already deserted us once, he's not going to do it again. In fact, Acts 15 tells us that that there was such a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas that they ended up splitting company. Paul took Silas with him, and Barnabas took Mark. And now, fast forward many years. Mark's obviously grown in his faith, and and, and there's obviously been a, a reconciliation there because Paul mentions Mark by name. Bring Mark, for he is useful to me in the ministry. The, the reason I say this should encourage us because, the, maybe you've heard this, the, the most useful statistic in all of sports is the halftime score. Just ask the Atlanta Falcons. Right? The, the most useful statistic in all of in all sports is the halftime score. It's not how it's, it's not how, how you're doing in the middle, it's how you finish. And, and even though Mark was not doing that well at this at this point in his life in Acts 15, by the time he has matured in the faith, he's grown in the Lord, he's grown in his relationship to Christ, and he's he's now a useful companion of Paul. And this, this one whom Paul at one point said, absolutely not. I don't want him with us. He already deserted us once. Paul says, bring him because he's useful to me in ministry. See, a beautiful picture of reconciliation here. Verse 12, we're, we're told about Tychicus. We don't know much about him other than he's mentioned in Ephesians 6 uh, as our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord. Um, verse 13, he mentions this guy named Carpus. Uh, who's apparently a friend in, in a city called Troas, w- whom Paul really desires to see again. And, and even we see that, that Paul's uh, entrusted him with some of his belongings. The first is a cloak, which really would have been a combination. It would have been a, a single garment. Um, there was kind of a combination of a jacket and a blanket, um, which would have been useful in a cold jail cell, especially as, as uh, Paul is urging Timothy to come before winter. So he left this uh, this cloak with, with carpus is now saying, "I want it before winter." And then he says, "Bring the scrolls in verse 13, especially the parchments. Now it's likely, or it's at least possible that Paul left these uh, because he was arrested. Didn't have time to, to bring them with him. He didn't have time to go get his cloak. Wasn't able to go get his, his scrolls, his parchments. What would, would amount to our, his books? Maybe it even had his, his personal copy of the scriptures, his personal copy of the Old Testament, as well as some other writings. And what we see here is that apparently Paul loved reading. He, he was no doubt bored in prison, wanted something to, to occupy his mind, and so what better than scripture and other reading materials. And as a fellow book nerd, I resonate with this. Bring my books. My jacket and my books. That's what I want right now. See, and what, what I love about this is I think we often think of biblical characters as somehow super spiritual individuals who didn't care about normal stuff. And right here, we have Paul saying, I want my coat and I want something to read and hurry up because it's about to get cold and I'm about to lose my head. So so let's, let's go. Well while, while Paul, we would certainly say that he's a devoted follower of Christ, we see here that, that even for the most devout Christians, normal concerns of life creep in, right? He was worried about being cold and he wanted something to read. He wanted to fill his mind with Scripture, with other writings about about Christ. Um, so, so I would simply say, be like Paul and read. Okay? I'm, I'm a huge fan of books. If, you wanna, if, you, if it's been a while since you've picked up a book, come see me. I have, I have a bunch I would love to give you, loan you, um, and, <laughs> and, and encourage you to read. Because I just think that some of, the, some of the most beautiful blessings that God's given to us are books. It's words that he's given to us that we can um, come to understand who he is and how we can follow him more closely through some, some gifted writers that have followed Christ well. He can pass that along to us. As we jump down toward the end of, the, of, of this passage in verse 19, he mentions Prissa and Aquila. Uh, this was a husband and wife um, who kept Paul in their house while he was in Corinth. Um, then they would later on travel to Ephesus with Paul. Where it's, it's possible, maybe even likely, that they remained Uh, as a part of the church there. They they were travel companions with Paul. Paul stayed in their house. Um, Verse 20, he mentions Erastus and Trophimus. Uh, in, In Romans 16, we're told that Erastus was a city treasurer in Corinth, and Paul sent Erastus and Timothy to Macedonia while he himself stayed in Asia. And Trophimus traveled with Paul to Miletus in Jerusalem. So what we see here in this pattern is that all these people spent time with Paul, traveling with him. To, to share the gospel. And then we come to a list in 21 of, of people that we really know nothing about. Eubulus, Pudens, Linus, Claudius, and all the brothers and sisters. We don't know anything about these people except right here. This is the only mention we have of them in scripture. But 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 understand this. That doesn't, just because we, we don't know anything about them other than their names, that doesn't mean they're not important. Because they've served as an encouragement to Paul, and now as, as Paul's entering his last days, as he's preparing to be executed, the, their friendship is a source of strength for him. So, so now let's simply ask the question, why do these names matter for us? Especially these names for, for whom we don't even know anything else about them other than they're mentioned here that they were apparently uh, friends of Paul. They were, they were travel companions, gospel co-workers of Paul. In fact, why, why would we even cover this? Why not just skip over it and go, go on to something more exciting? Why, why cover this list of names? Well, as I said at the beginning, this passage is a great reminder that we're not called to live the Christian life alone. God has graciously given us other brothers and sisters who journey alongside us. Co- community is important. Friends, are important. We all need godly friends who will spur us on to faithfulness in the Lord. So so this whole passage really is, is a reminder of Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. None of us is, is as strong in the Christian life as we'd like to think we are. So we need others to, to prod us along. We need others to sharpen. Us. And so this list, while, while maybe not all these names mean anything to us, we see that they certainly meant something to Paul. And if you're a believer at all, if you've, if you, if you've studied Scripture at all, Paul certainly means something to us in his ministry and his writings. These people spurred Paul on in the faith. May God grant to us the same, that people would spur us on to faith in Christ that we might spur others on. So that's the first observation, the the blessing of friends. But the second one is very much a reality in life as well, and that's the burden of foes. See, while while godly friends are certainly an important part of the Christian life, uh, the reality is that, that opposition also comes, and disappointment comes. Anytime you deal with people, you're going to deal with disappointment. Anybody testify to that? Yes. And Paul knew his, his share of opposition, he knew, certainly knew his, his fair share of, opposi- of opposition and, and disappointment. We've, we've talked extensively throughout this series about the false teachers at Ephesus who opposed Timothy. And, and if you read through Acts, um, Paul had many people at many different times who opposed him in ministry. Uh, in fact, at one point, he even had to escape under the cover of darkness to avoid being killed by an angry mob. Paul knew what it, mean, what it meant to have some enemies. In this passage, he mentions two people by name who, who've brought him pain. The first is Demas, who we would say is not so much a, a foe as just a, 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 a severe a point of disappointment in Paul's life. In verse 10, uh, verse 9 Paul Paul urges Timothy make every effort to come to me soon because Demas has deserted me since he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica now Demas was at one point a co-worker he was a co-laborer he was he was alongside these other people in 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 scripture in fact um, in in both the, the letters of Colossians and Philemon Demas's name is mentioned alongside Luke as a co-worker, this is someone that Paul uh, worked alongside, that he labored alongside to see the gospel spread. But Paul says Demas left because he loved this present world. And while we don't, we don't have the details that surround that, we, we, can, we can assume that, that it means he had some misplaced priorities, maybe some misaligned affections. Maybe much like Mark earlier in life, when, uh, when when things got a little tough, Demas said, "I'm out." And at the the time that Paul needed him most, he he said, "I'm gone." And if you've again, if you've dealt with people, you have more than likely dealt with your fair share of disappointments. Perhaps you've, perhaps you've even disappointed a person or two in, in your lifetime. We know that that's a that's a painful reality that creates a burden. But then we have outright foes like Alexander the coppersmith in, in verse 14. And all he says here is that this man did him a great deal of harm. We don't, we don't know anything about Alexander. It says he was a coppersmith. Maybe he was an idol maker like uh, Demetrius in Acts 19. And, and therefore, Paul preaching the gospel. And when people started getting saved and turning away from false idols, that impacted his business. So he, he begins to attack Paul because, uh, because the gospel is affecting his livelihood. We, we don't know that, but Paul simply says that uh, the Lord will repay him according to his works. And he warns Timothy about him. So perhaps this man, Alexander, is still in Ephesus and, and maybe even a part of the church. Um, simple fact for us is that opposition is a reality. We, we've looked at the, the promise of suffering in the life of a believer throughout this passage And so here, as we consider those that that are disappointing, that that have disappointed us, as we consider those that are maybe even outright what we would call enemies or um, in opposition to us, again, Scripture would call us to action toward them, not, not to vengeance, but to prayer. This is what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy to which Jesus' audience would have probably said, yes, amen, say it louder for those in the back. And Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, so you may be children of your Father in heaven. We have the blessing of friends, we have the burden of foes, and, and certainly disappointment. But then we wrap it all up, and here's the, here's the final observation here. Don't miss this, the faithfulness of the Lord. Pick up with me in verse 16 if you still have your Bible. At my first offense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then jump down to 22, the very last words that we have written by Paul. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. At this point, no doubt, Paul's looking back over over the course of his life, over the course of all of his uh, missionary journeys, No no doubt, as we see from the list here, the the friends who've walked with him and, and yeah, some of the foes that have opposed him. And as he finishes this letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he wants Timothy to know, and I, I think he wants us to know, the Lord's faithfulness. He says the Lord stood with him when nobody else did. The Lord gave him strength to continue preaching the word and and in fact even rescued him from the lion's mouth. And even as he's getting ready to face a, a, a death at the hand of a Roman executioner, he says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. So even as Paul knows his time on earth is coming to an end, he trusts that his life is in the Lord's hands. He trusts that the Lord will bring him safely into the Lord's kingdom. And then look at this. This reality causes Paul to break out in in this short praise, this short doxology. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he uses his last words to encourage his readers. Now again, remember, he's about to be beheaded. At this point, I think he knows that that, that, that's coming, and, and coming soon. And the last words that he ever wrote are, The Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you all. He wants his last words to encourage his readers. In fact, this reminds me of what he previously wrote while also in prison. To the church in Philippi. Philippians 3, he says this Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do look at this forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue my goal pursue as my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind. All the pain and all the struggles, all the disappointment, all the betrayals. And reaching forward to what is ahead. I'm going to be delivered into the heavenly kingdom. This is a man who, even though he has every reason in the world to despair, he's been arrested multiple times. He's been flogged. You read uh, uh, 2 Corinthians eleven, and, and he kind of lays out his whole uh, life journey and the sufferings that he's endured for the sake of the gospel. It's overwhelming. And yet here he is at the end of his life, saying, as we looked at a couple of weeks ago, "I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race." I'm almost home. And I, just, I wonder today if you have the same assurance that Paul has. I think that's what, that's what frees him up to, to be an encouragement in these last moments of his life, these last days. To not be throwing himself a pity party saying, oh, woe is me. But to say, I've served the Lord faithfully. As imperfectly as I've done it, I've served him faithfully. And I've done it in part because of all these people that have labored alongside me. I'm finally at the end. I wonder if you have that same assurance. As we, one of the, one of the blessings of being a pastor is getting to conduct funerals pretty often and, so, so you know several times a year I have this reminder stark reminder that, that our earth our earthly life is temporary Life here comes to an end at some point for everybody and every time I conduct a funeral I always I' always find myself asking the question am, am I ready if, if, if this were my last day what what would I leave behind? I feel like I've, I've served Christ as, as well as I can and, and given the power and imperfectly, but, but serving him faithfully. As I look at Paul's ending of this letter here, looking back at all the people that have encouraged him, all the people he's encouraged, I wonder if you and I would have the same confidence that Paul does facing that reality of death. He had that assurance because he trusted in Christ. Not because of his own righteousness, not because Paul was was so much better than everyone else, but because he placed his faith in Jesus, who alone could save. Could save him from what he was and deliver him from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. And so if you've never trusted in Christ Jesus this morning, I want you to know you can today. You can have that same assurance that Paul had as he came to the end of his life. You can simply say these words that we've put up on the screen, not as a magic formula, but just as a prayer, confessing sin to God, asking him to be your Savior. My life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin, and I need you. I believe Christ came to live die and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all and I will follow him. Maybe today's the day that you turn from sin. You place your faith and trust in Christ Jesus. Needing that assurance that no matter what happens in this life that your life is secure in him. Maybe as we've read through this passage today and and we read about those that encouraged Paul, the Lord's brought to your mind some folks that you need to encourage in their faith. Maybe the Lord's been prodding you with your one. who needs to hear the message of the gospel, of the truth of how much God loves them. He's gonna use you to show them the love of God to tell them about the gospel to help them grow in their faith as they do maybe the lord's simply bringing to your mind some of those that have encouraged you and prodded you along in your faith and this morning's just a time of thanksgiving for all those that god's placed in your life to to shape us to to sharpen us like iron sharpens iron to, Mold us into the image of Christ. Let's pray thanking God for his word, thanking him for the blessings. And then we're going to sing a closing song, a song of invitation. And Maybe you need to come and, and say, today's the day I trusted in Jesus Christ and I need to follow through in baptism. And uh, Maybe you're saying, this is, the, this is the group of people, this church is the group of people I want, to, I want to pursue Christ with for as long as he has us here in Alamogordo, whether that's a month or 25 years you'd like to come and find out a little bit more about church membership and what that means here, that we might sharpen one another. Trust you'll respond in just a few moments. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. And this morning as we wrap up this letter, even though there are many people here that we simply read their names, we know nothing else about them. we we see they obviously made a great impact in the life of Paul. and That's a reminder that none of us lives our Christian life in a vacuum. But that we live alongside other brothers and sisters in Christ whom you've called to encourage us and who need to be encouraged by us. I pray we would do what Proverbs 27 says. We would sharpen one another. Just like iron sharpens iron we would spur one another on to love and good works, as you've said in Hebrews 10. As we turn our attention now to, to who's your one, I pray that you would lay on each of our hearts a person or a family who needs to hear the gospel. Who simply need to be told that, that in Christ Jesus there is love beyond anything they can ever imagine that there's grace for whatever things are hiding in our past. There's a future more glorious than our minds could comprehend. We thank you for that gospel that saved Paul. They gave him the courage to look directly into a violent death Trusting that the end of this life meant the beginning of the next glorious life in your presence. I pray this morning we would have that same assurance and if anyone does not have that assurance that today would be the day they would turn from sin and trust in Christ Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that it convicts us, that it blesses us, that it corrects us that it leads us into the life and into the people that you've called us to be. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 10.30. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.